Welcome to the Weird and Wicked podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Rachel. And we're two sisters with a passion for the mysterious and the unknown. On our podcast, we will explore killer cases and the most puzzling phenomena. Come with us down the rabbit hole where we will take a magnifying glass to the most bizarre, unnerving, and unbelievable stories. From true crime and conspiracy theories to ghosts and cryptids, we'll cover it all. Today, we'll be diving into the stories behind one of the most notorious cryptids in the history of the United States. And no, I don't mean Bigfoot. I'm talking about the Mothman. This episode is about a cryptid. Whether you're a believer or a non-believer, we just want to share these stories with you for fun. These stories are recounted from a number of sources that are listed in our show notes. Our discussion on this podcast is based solely on our own research and conclusions. We want to keep this conversation lighthearted and fun, so please keep this in mind as you listen. Yes, the Mothman episode. Yes. <laughs> I think when we started this podcast, we both wanted to cover this thing. This is a guaranteed episode. <laughs> Absolutely. 100%. I'm glad we're doing it now. This cryptid is both of our favorites. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I haven't read into many other cryptids, I guess, but yeah, I'm not like a cryptid lover in general. Like, I'm yeah. not usually interested in them mm-hmm. unless it's very like uh obscure and weird i guess agreed um but this is my absolute favorite one and i mean it's it's west virginia's most beloved citizen absolutely <laughs> like, i really love is. it <laughs> i just love it <laughs> so everybody grab your night vision goggles and in infrared cameras i always forgot how to say that (laughs) but i think i said it right yes Um, let's get right into it before actually before we get right (laughs) today we're having a little bit of a twist since it's a lighthearted episode um we're just having a little bit of extra fun Mm -hmm. um Basically, Rachel and I both have, we both got a beer to drink during the episode. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, a beer. No. Yeah. Um, so today I'm drinking. Uh, I'm going to do a little like makeup tutorial thing here and hold it up to the camera. But it's Lagunita's Little Sum Sum. Oh, it yes. It is an IPA. Uh, obviously, Lagunita's Brewing. One of my favorites. 7.5%. Such a good beer. Yeah. You can't go wrong with Lagunitas. I know, yeah. What are you drinking? <laughs> Today I am drinking, let's see, I forget what it's called, Stone Brewing Delicious IPA. Oh, I love that one. Yes. So beautiful. Beautiful so, presentation. <laughs> this one is a double IPA and it is 9.4%. Yeah. It's funny because um, me and Kristen, I feel like we've always enjoyed beer over like cocktails and stuff like that yeah Mm -hmm. or wine um but I wasn't really into IPAs I shouldn't say wasn't really I wasn't into them at all like I hated Mm -hmm. IPAs to be they're hard to get they are yeah and I was such like a um religious corona drinker Mm -hmm. that it's like an IPA (laughs) was so much more harsh than that but now I'm super into it I love IPAs they're one of my favorites so yeah this was this is just a way that we're going to, like, 
chill out, have a little yeah. laid back episode. If you want, have a beer with us. Yeah. <laughs> Crack one open with us. Nah, I guess not if you're at work. Actually, if you're at work, have <laughs> if one If you're too. at work, crack yeah. open a cold one. Let's see if we can get some ASMR up in here. All right. Without further ado, let's get right into it. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Hell yeah. The city, now known as Point Pleasant, West Virginia, was first settled by Shawnee and Mingo tribes before the late 1700s. It sits right where the Ohio and Kanawha rivers meet. I hope I'm saying that right. Yeah, Kanawha, Kanawha, not sure. In 1774, Virginians and militia were heading west towards Ohio, which prompted the chief of the Shawnee tribe to plan an attack on Virginia militiamen in an attempt to stop their expansion into the Ohio Valley. The chief Cornstalk was forced to retreat and sign to a treaty that would basically secede all of Shawnee land south of the Ohio River to Virginia. At this point, Colonel Lewis officially declared this land Camp Point Pleasant. From then on, the settlement took the same name, Point Pleasant and steadily grew despite several years of what they considered to be Indian interference. The settlement built and occupied a fort throughout these years, which they named Fort Blair. It was later rebuilt and named Fort Randolph, but tensions subsided and it was abandoned in 1779. In 1785, Fort Randolph was rebuilt once again due to renewed hostilities between the U.S. government and the Native American tribes. But the fort saw little action even these even in these turbulent times and was abandoned once again. The settlement did not, however, receive a charter to fully establish its existence as an official city until 1794. In 1810, it was con- it was confirmed that Point Pleasant held about 15 to 20 families. It had a log courthouse which served as the seat of justice of Mason County, Virginia. It also had a log jail, and regretfully so, it came with its own pillory and whipping post. I think everyone knows what a whipping post is. I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. However, when I was doing research, I wasn't totally sure what a pillory is. Uh, We looked it up, and you can probably compare it to stocks, like with Mm -hmm. the two holes for the hands and one for the head used to keep criminals in. Right, yeah. Except this version of stocks um, was used specifically for public humiliation. Basically, if you committed a crime and got it, got sentenced to the pillory, they would prop you up in the middle of the square, sometimes on a platform, so people could come by and mock you, throw things at you. Some people went as far as um, throwing like dead animals at people and Ooh. like animal feces it got really really bad but in that time it was a way of shaming these people who Mm -hmm. committed crimes and then also sending a message to other people so they so it was like a deterrent interesting so on a lighter note fun fact the town also had its very own merchant Hmm. it's like a video game where like you know you go you got 
to the next area and there's it's like a safe area and there's yeah. one merchant one armor guy one weapons guy <laughs> like yeah like that's that. literally how i picture it <laughs> and you have to like go there first sell all the stuff that you got on your expedition this place had all the essentials basically. for sure the log jail the log uh courthouse the courthouse yep and its own merchant yes <laughs> All you Among need. Other things. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Just the essentials. Point Pleasant, after many years, was finally incorporated in 1833. The history of the city is fairly similar at this point to the history of any city in the early years of the United States. Until 1966, when an interesting story popped up that would become a huge part of its culture forever. This is where it gets super interesting, mm-hmm. so buckle up. About five miles north of Point Pleasant is the McClintic Wildlife Management Area. I think I'm saying that right. Or as it's often referred to, the TNT area. I can't speak today for some reason. This can be ongoing. Either either of us can speak today. (laughs) This site is the location of World War II explosive storage bunkers that even today you can go and explore. It's really cool because... even in the wildlife management area, tourists can go fishing, hunting, hiking. Um, it's just like a nice little tourist attraction out in the wilderness. Super nice views, I'm sure. It was here that the legend began. On November 15th, 1966, two couples, Roger and Linda Scarberry and Steve and Mary Millette, were driving together down State Road 62 past the TNT area. Standing on the side of the road, they saw what looked to be the figure of a man with wings and was about, which was about six to seven feet tall, they described. Um, And they claimed that this figure had huge glowing red eyes about six inches apart. So already, when you see that, obviously you're going to start panicking. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Some people might see it and just be like, oh, whatever. Maybe it's It was just my eyes. Yeah, whatever. But damn skeptics. If it were me, I probably would have panicked. Yeah. <laughs> um, especially like out in the wilderness by a TNT, uh, like a former explosive site. You That's know, the part that got me. Um, I'm not sure if I if you could catch me near that area. <laughs> yeah, it, I'm sure it's a little bit creepy at night. Oh, for sure. So Roger, who was driving at the time, panicked obviously, at the sight of the figure and floored the vehicle heading back toward town. If it had been a figment of their imagination, maybe the figure would have disappeared, but this was not the case. According to the group, the winged man clumsily ran after them for a few steps, then took flight like a helicopter and flew over the vehicle even at speeds of over 100 miles an hour. Remember, Roger was flooring the vehicle, so he was driving fast. Mm. And this thing apparently started just flying right over them. No problem. No problem. So they claimed that as it flew overhead, it let out a loud, menacing, screeching noise. It continued to chase them until they reached Point Pleasant city limits and then disappeared into the night. The story made townsfolk decide to all work together to get to the bottom of this. They grabbed their firearms and went on a hunt for the creature, but found nothing. So, a lot to unpack here. Yeah, that's for sure. So, basically, this, I'm sure they were friends. They were just, like, out going for a drive, probably having some fun. Yeah. 
what young and kids then, do. Right. Yeah. They were couples. I don't know how old they were. I assume they were kids. Or like, I, I guess, older I, kids. From what I remember, they were like either older teens or like young adults, like early right. 20s maybe. So yeah. Hanging out, having a little date at night, a little Yeah, party. double date. <laughs> Nothing like going on a double date and seeing a huge winged figure with a glowing red eyes fly above you chasing and chasing you <laughs> yeah. oh man oh geez so yeah and then <clears throat> obviously they went and probably told everyone about what they'd seen mm-hmm. and the whole town was like let's go get this thing it's probably a big bear so I'm I, yeah. flying bear <laughs> I don't know you're like let's kill it <laughs> <laughs> I love I can just imagine the pitchforks mm-hmm. but um I love how people immediately believed them they were like let's go get it like they were like oh the yeah thing? let's find out like I feel like nowadays everyone would just doubt you right uh, yeah. no matter what <laughs> no matter how believable it was it's a small town I'm That's sure true. Like, I'm sure nothing else interesting was going on <laughs> they're like okay So after this account, another story arose about a dog who had gone missing due to something unknown around the same time as this odd sighting. 90 miles away from Point Pleasant in Salem, West Virginia, Newell Partridge, (laughs) I hope I'm saying that right. I think it's Newell, yeah. Newell Partridge had been relaxing and watching TV at home after a long day at work as a building contractor. His German shepherd bandit, Oh, I love German Shepherds. Same. Was was sitting out on the front porch. Around 10.30 p.m., strange things began to happen. Newell's TV went dark until a strange screen popped up. Outside, a loud whining noise could be heard. Newell stated that it almost sounded like a generator winding up. The noise caused Bandit to howl. He howled seemingly uncontrollably until Newell came out of the house with a flashlight and began to look around at the woods surrounding his home. Near his hay barn, Newell spotted with the flashlight what looked like two glowing red eyes. He claimed that he knew right away that whatever the eyes belonged to, it was not any kind of regular animal. It was at this moment that Bandit bolted off the porch and towards this creature. Newell says he went inside to grab his gun and hunkered down out of fear for his life, which I can't blame him. Yeah. But also, like, your dog is going after this thing. I don't know what I would do. Oh, God, yeah. But he was so scared by the sight of the glowing eyes, he could not bring himself to go back outside until the morning. He slept in his bed with his gun by his side and waited until the sun came up. In the morning, Newell went to inspect the area where he saw the red glowing eyes and tried to find Bandit who hadn't returned to the house. All he found were paw tracks in the mud, which looked as if Bandit had been chasing his tail. There was no other sign of the dog anywhere, however, and he was never seen again. Two days later, Newell was reading the newspaper and saw the story about the couple who were chased by a flying figure of a man with red glowing eyes. It wasn't until then that he decided to speak up about his own encounter. So this story was the scariest to me. I mean, besides the the Mothman chasing the people, but, like, just the fact that they never found the dog again. It's very it's sad. It's really sad. Like, he sounded like a really cute dog. Just the fact that, like, he was just hanging out at home after work, watching TV, and the TV went black. And, like, I think in one source it's, he said that the TV was, like, all staticky. Like, there was a weird mm. pattern on the screen. And then 
the dog went crazy when I saw the eyes like all that together just like gives me chills <laughs> I just For don't sure. like anything about it Throughout the next few days, newspapers reported there were at least eight other sightings of this giant winged figure, one of which came from two volunteer firemen. The two firemen, Captain Paul Yonder and Benjamin en- Enox, not sure how to That's say That's how it. I would say it. They spotted what appeared to be a very lo- large bird with large glowing red eyes. The folks of Point Pleasant and newspapers that reported on these sightings finally gave the strange figure a name, the Mothman, which I love that name. (laughs) It's the best. (laughs) It's interesting they went to a moth because like, do you ever Mm -hmm. see their eyes? Do their eyes glow? My first thought would be like a wolf or something. Like people talk about wolves having like, yeah, Uh huh. (laughs) because he had wings. So I don't know. Or alien man. I love it. (laughs) I'm not complaining. (laughs) Yeah. So Mason County Sheriff George Johnson. What a name. George Johnson. Mason County Sheriff George Johnson. What a title. (laughs) (laughs) So him along with other experts like Dr. Robert L. Smith from West Virginia University gave a possible explanation for these sightings. They suggested that the figure that the people were seeing was actually the largest American crane, the Sandhill Crane. I love these things. We have them around our house. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're everywhere so in Florida. <laughs> they're so cute. These cranes are usually almost as tall as a man with a wingspan of up to seven feet. Dr. Smith stated that the red eyes people were reportedly seeing may have actually been the circles of bare red flesh around these cranes' eyes. Which... Going back, going back to how he mentioned that we know these th- these cranes are everywhere mm-hmm. around where we live. Um, if you ask me, it's the worst comparison ever. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, if you've seen a sandhill crane, yes, they have red around their eyes. If you look up close, you can tell. And yes, they're pretty tall, but they're not six to seven feet tall. They're no obviously shorter than any adult human no way absolutely not and they have like these long skinny legs obviously they're a bird and Mm -hmm. long skinny necks with long skinny beaks too i don't see Mm -hmm. how the two are similar other than the wings because the wingspan is large but yeah like but if you saw that flying over you you would know it's a bird you wouldn't mistake it for a man with wings because the legs are tiny like (laughs) and they do they do make an interesting noise when they're like flying overhead yeah and i guess they do fly pretty quickly but another thing is they're never out after dusk they always like burrow Mm -hmm. or go back to their nest at night sleeping never see them at night they'll come out in the morning um but it's hard for me to believe because of this yeah, I don't really see the, uh, the connection either. So to me, this is a stretch. I don't see it as a possible valid explanation. But me I'm also either. not a doctor or the sheriff of a county. So what do I know? <laughs> well, I mean, what are the, what would they know about? about Honestly, yeah. I'm, I know the doctor was um, a professor of biology. Or, um, okay something along those lines Mm -hmm. at West Virginia University. So, like, maybe him. But, again, 
these cranes are not native to that area and it's not even in there like one of their things was like oh it just wandered out of its migration path or its migration route and that's Mm -hmm. why it's so weird to everyone that it's here they've never seen it before Mm -hmm. but even if it wandered out how is that the first one that's ever wandered out yeah exactly (laughs) you know it just doesn't make sense it just doesn't it doesn't line up Mm -hmm. right Hey guys, did you know Weird and Wicked Pod has its own website? It's great. You can find episode highlights, links to all of our socials, and even a case submission form right there all in one place. You can even subscribe to receive our email updates so you will be the very first to know when we post each episode. So if you're ever craving more content from us, check the website. You can find the link in the show notes. Case closed. So we've heard some of the stories about the sightings of the Mothman, and we know that there may or may not be a logical explanation behind it, but how did they even come up with the name? Some sources say that the name draws inspiration from that of Killer Moth, a popular Batman comic villain. Mm, I love that name, the Mothman. Yeah. It sounds so eerie and at the same si- at the same time, very comic booky. Right. Like you said, yes. like the Batman theme. No wonder it drew so much attention. <laughs> For sure. So basically, though, it's unclear who exactly named the Mothman. It was pretty mm-hmm. much just generally agreed upon after the first few sightings that this would be its official name. Right, exactly. Here's where it gets a little bit interesting. There was a bridge which carried the U.S. Route 35 across the Ohio River from Point Pleasant to Gal... <laughs> Gallipolis. Gallipolis. I was going to say Galapagos. Yeah, that's what I thought when I saw the word. It's not bad, though. Gallipolis, Ohio. It was an I-bar chain suspension bridge painted with aluminum paint. Because of the aluminum paint was silver in color, the bridge was respectively named the Silver Bridge. Very fitting. During rush hour on December 15, 1967, the weight of the traffic caused a single eye bar, which had a minuscule crack, to give out. Because the parts of a suspension bridge are all in equilibrium with each other, the entire bridge collapsed. Mm. 46 people died in this incident. That's sad. Very people sad. were just like on their way home from work, pretty much. That's, that's one of my biggest fears i would say um oh my gosh yeah you live in tampa and that's the what is that one bridge called the sky oh the skyway uh, bridge or something skyway bridge i think that yeah. one freaks me out that's the that only thing i can so think about. long and tall <laughs> yeah but any like um like the eye bar bridges the, the mm-hmm. suspended bridges any of those freak me out because it's For like sure. how this should not be possible and <laughs> like, clearly if there's they... even a if there's even a tiny little crack and one of them breaks you're done mm-hmm. for and i guess the reason why like even during this time they did inspections on bridges and stuff and it was like they didn't even catch it because they would have had to take the bridge apart to Ooh, see yeah. the, where the crack was. I don't mm. know how they figured out it was this little crack. I feel like after it collapsed, it would be pretty hard to tell, but somehow they, they figured that out. But 
apparently that's how hard it was to actually realize that it needed to be fixed. Like you mm-hmm. had to take it apart to know it. Jeez. So I don't trust those bridges. It's <laughs> definitely not. Personally. Definitely not. <laughs> yeah. Although there was an explanation for the collapse, some people who are firm believers will say that the Mothman was the one who in some way caused the bridge to collapse. Oddly enough, Mothman sightings came to a halt after the bridge incident occurred. I'm not going to say I believe it was the Mothman. I mean, clearly it's a bit of a stretch if engineers were able to investigate and figure out that it was a bad eye bar, Mm -hmm. which caused the bridge to collapse. Um, But it's interesting that he wasn't spotted after that happened. Like, all of a sudden it stopped. Yeah. How were so many people coming into contact with him and then all of a sudden it stopped? Right. Maybe it's just because the media was, the media, like, newspapers and stuff were quick to report about the bridge incident. And then, like, the Mothman sightings stopped being Mm -hmm. reported about. People wanted to hear about the more recent news, obviously. So maybe that's why there really was sightings, but who knows? Or maybe that was his plan all along <laughs> yeah. to divert attention from himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who knows? <laughs> oh, gosh. Regardless, the Silver Bridge was later rebuilt as the Silver Memorial Bridge to commemorate the lives lost in the incident. It wouldn't be until years later when the Mothman began popping back up. Some even regard the TNT area to be his home. The Mothman has even found himself leaking into other tinfoil hat stories, as some people go as far as to claim he has connections to UFO sightings. So Mm. they're saying the Mothman has something to do with UFOs. (laughs) To me, that's a a little bit far out there. But there are people out there who believe this. Interesting. I mean, I would definitely call myself a believer, uh mm-hmm. aliens is like different for me for some reason i don't know i wouldn't yeah. say i don't believe in them but um it's I almost guess... like um not to cut you off or anything no, you're but good. it's almost like how the whole ghost thing obviously some of the per- portrayals of ghosts are like they can't be accurate <laughs> like mm-hmm. there's no way but it's still a possibility that something like that is out there. Yeah. So it's the same thing as that. Like mm-hmm. aliens, as we see them in movies, movies, as like a little green body, like that's probably not accurate, but mm-hmm. there's got to be something out there. Something you know? out there. Mm-hmm. The universe is infinite. So yeah. And we would be we would be naive, I feel like, to believe that we're the only ones. You have to keep an open mind about that kind of stuff. <laughs> For sure. Some of it, at least. Absolutely. Over time, it has become a symbol of Point Pleasant and a huge part of the town's history and culture. Every year, the town holds a Mothman festival where locals and tourists come together to commemorate the beginning of the legend himself. Thousands of people come from all over to enjoy live bands, guest speakers, vendors, and, of course, the highly popular Mothman Museum. You can even stop by a local restaurant to get a Mothman-themed pizza, and I think they also have Mothman cookies, which yeah. <laughs> I need to go there. <laughs> this is what made us so excited. Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself here, but this is what made us so excited about the Mothman in general is we we have family in West Virginia, 
Mm-hmm. Um, we've visited West Virginia multiple times before. We've never been to Point Pleasant, but mm-hmm. we've known about the Mothman for quite some time. But it wasn't until we saw um, the BuzzFeed Unsolved episode oh about him <laughs> that it really, like, hyped us up. I love it, too. Um they like play it up so much like they've got the pizza and all of that i just love how the whole town like yeah maybe it's like a um tourist thing like a tourist stunt but i just love how everyone like rallies around it and like owns They're up so to the into fact. it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it reminds me of salem Ma- uh, massachusetts where they do like the crazy halloween uh, yeah thing every year <laughs> yeah I love it's just it. like everyone is a part of it and mm-hmm. we don't care if it's true or not it's just a fun thing it's fun. to be a part of yeah so. for sure in the heart of point pleasant there even stands a mothman statue that with wings and all is at least 13 feet tall it's complete with piercing red eyes the size of footballs apparently and clawed hands and feet and um, um, I'm gonna add also, he, he has a six pack. <laughs> yeah, he has a six pack and, and a mullet <laughs> and a very voluptuous backside. Oh, too. Yeah. <laughs> we'll post oh, photos. We'll, don't worry. Oh yeah, when we go to visit one day, we'll definitely take photos <laughs> and post. Them. Absolutely. Oh, and then even um, before we like while we were doing the research for this um mm-hmm. we read somewhere that during covid the the pandemic they even put a mask on him which is pretty <laughs> funny i love it <laughs> he is like he is as much involved with the community as the community is involved with the man <laughs> Absolutely. i just love that me too it's the yeah. best Many people while visiting the town will stop to take a photo with the mothman to remember their trip I wonder why he is so popular, though. There's other stuff like the Yeti and um, where's the Bigfoot, Loch Ness monster. There's a ton in like Scotland. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a lot of like Japanese. Uh, oh yeah, cryptids that are all. A lot of those are like super creepy mm-hmm. <laughs> sounding. I'm sure we'll get some of those at some oh, point. Oh, I but, hope. Um. I just don't it's so funny to me I can't get over the fact that this one is just like so loved I know. <laughs> genuinely adored <laughs> exactly by so many people too people yeah. fly across the globe to visit the Mothman right people all over the world know him so it's just funny so obviously with any cryptid or legend there are the diehard fanatics which I don't know if I would call us diehard fanatics. But yeah, maybe. <laughs> <clears throat> so there are always the diehard fanatics, the what we like to call in betweeners, and those who are complete skeptics. Whatever camp you're in, it's still super fun to read about these stories. Yes, I definitely live for it. It's just like watching a horror movie or hearing scary stories. It's just entertaining and fun. Exactly. Know. So. Hopefully we can visit Point Pleasant at some point. It is on our li- our to-do list for sure. We need sure. to plan it. Absolutely. Yeah. I guess the festival happens in September every mm-hmm. year. Is that what you said? I think it's the third week in September, yeah. So I'm hoping we can go. <laughs> oh, geez. I really want a Mothman pizza. I want a Mothman delicious. pizza. <laughs> I want a Mothman cookie and I want 
to get a picture with him. <laughs> yes. And I want to visit that museum too. I want to see what that museum has. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. <sighs> so well, let us know what you guys think. Yeah. This was obviously a different format for us, um, but we'd love to hear what you think about it. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're a fan of this or if you're a fan of the true crime ones more, if you made it this far. Mm -hmm. All of our research and everything will be um, linked in the show notes and on our socials and everything. Mm -hmm. We'll have pictures up of everything. Oh, yeah. So definitely check that out. Let us know if there's another cryptid that you guys are interested in that you want us to talk about. Yes. Um, we. Pr- I'm just going to be fully honest here and just say for the both of us, I think, that we're probably not going to do a Bigfoot episode. We're probably not going to do a Loch Ness Monster episode. Because yeah, <laughs> everybody knows not. those. Yeah, they're too big. I'm not a huge fan of either of them. Yeah, not the... They're not my favorite. It's just sure. over. It's overdone. Yeah, I guess everyone knows about it, like you said. Mm-hmm. But any other cryptids? I really don't know that many other cryptids, so I'd be interested to see what you guys like, mm-hmm. what you guys are interested in, and which cryptid is your favorite. Let us we know. We're ready. We're ready for the suggestions. Oh yes. Don't forget to check out the website, and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>Thanks for listening to the Weird and Wicked podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you drop a like and leave a review. And make sure to subscribe and follow us on all of our socials so you know when the next episode is up.